How's everybody feeling today? Happy Father's Day to our dad. Come on, give him a hand. Everybody give your dad a hand. Yeah. Happy Father's Day. It's a very special day. Several years ago, I um, was told by someone who came to our church that, that listen, it's Father's Day, I'm not going to be there on Father's Day. Um, and I was like, well, okay. Um, any particular reason why he's, he was like, yeah. He said, it seemed like every Mother's Day, the Mother's Day sermon is kind of like, our moms are so sweet and so caring and so loving and God bless our moms and we just are so thankful for our moms and all this mushy stuff about moms. But it said every time I go to a Father's Day service and they preach to the dads, it's always, you guys need to straighten up. <laughs> and I got to thinking about in my lifetime that... I, that was kind of like, yeah, that's sort of the way it was done. Like the moms get loved on and the dads get disciplined. And he says, I ain't coming to Father's Day. I said, I'll tell you what, if you'll come to Father's Day, I promise I won't preach one of those sermons at the dads. And, and, and I, don't think I, I don't think I ever have. So, um, yeah, so all of our dads can relax because today I am not going to preach a sermon at you. As a matter of fact, I'm preaching to everyone in our summer school session. I love I love uh, these sessions where we just preach uh, standalone sermons that, um, that are important subjects but are not tied to each other week by week because, you know, people travel during the summer. We got folks all over everywhere traveling, and, and I'm jealous because we've got some that have been on a beach all week, and that's just like I want to unfriend them on Facebook, and I don't want to see their stuff. Don't be showing me no picture of a beach, really. And, and, and so, you know, but um, hey, um, yeah, it's true. So, listen, I said this morning, second church didn't heckle me, and now you're heckling me, right? Uh, uh, first churchers are terrible. they just unruly bunch of people. But uh, <laughs> summer school, summer school. Uh, today I want to I wanna kind of... Uh, follow along with what Trent, Pastor Trent was saying last week. Last week he talked about identity and he, he said the, the letter of the day, it was kind of a Sesame Street thing, the letter of the day is the letter I. He talked about I stood for identity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow along. And didn't he do a great job last week? Were you here last week? I thought oh, that was awesome. Um, today we're going we're gonna to focus on the letter A. And the letter A stands for attitude. Hmm. Letter A stands for attitude. I really, this is kind of one of my favorite subjects to talk about. Now, several years ago, uh, I, you know, I was I'd heard for for a while. I think John Maxwell in his in his leadership training maybe used this flight analogy. Uh, and it's, it's a pretty common thing. Have you ever heard someone say that your attitude determines your altitude? Your attitude determines your altitude. And I, I was just sort of curious about that. Uh, pilots know this, and we at that time had a pilot here in our church. He actually flew for, um, for Southwest, and he has since been relocated uh, to, to live in Denver. But uh, for several years, he lived here in the Tulsa area, flew for Southwest, and, and came to our church. And I just thought one day, you know, I'm hearing this attitude determines your altitude. And I'm like, you know, I want to I talk to a pilot, like a professional 
Southwest Airline pilot about that. See what he has to say about that. And it's very interesting. So we kind of met together, went to lunch or whatever, and we sat down. And, and the first thing I asked him from a, from a pilot's perspective and from flying an airplane, uh, I asked him, what is attitude when it comes to an airplane? What is, what is the attitude? And he, he said, well, um, in the center of the instrument panel, there is, there is an, a, a gauge there that is called the attitude indicator. And that indicator gives the overall position of that airplane. He said it tells you if the nose is up or if the nose is down. It, it tells you if it's pitching to the right or to the left. It, it tells you if it's going from side to side. And he said basically the, the attitude indicator tells you the plane's position and whether or not it is in alignment with the earth's surface. I went, boy, that, that does... It does kind of make sense that they would call it attitude, right? It just sort of makes sense that, that there is an instrument there, there's an indicator there that, that, that lets them know if the, if the nose is up or if the nose... You know, how many of you understand that attitude? It kind of makes a lot of sense. And then I, then I asked him this question. I said, I said, Brendan, what effect does attitude have on flying? He said, well, if attitude is bad, it has tremendous effect on the airplane, even putting the passengers and the airplane itself in danger. Matter of fact, he said that the attitude indicator is the most important instrument on the instrument panel. Matter of fact, they call it the primary flight instrument. It's dead center, and it literally shows what the plane is doing, and... and, and and modern attitude indicators even show warnings, and red warnings will come up on there if the attitude is bad or if there's, if there's a crisis. It lets you know that the attitude is in crisis. How many of you ever had an attitude in crisis? Yeah. Finally, I asked him this question, and I, I think it is, it's just a great answer. I said, what would you say to someone who is flying with bad attitude? And this is what he said. Don't carry any passengers. Like whatever you do, if you're flying with a bad attitude, don't take anyone with you. Everything is in peril. And, and, and I think about that in flying, and I hear this saying again, that, that your attitude determines your altitude, and then I apply that whole thing to our lives. And I, and I see a whole lot to that. Attitudes affect where we go. Attitudes affect how we get there. Matter of fact, a bad attitude creates a bad environment around the person who possesses it. And on the other hand, a good attitude creates a positive environment around the person who possesses it. I mean, have you ever been with someone or maybe, maybe you've even recognized it uh, with the person in the mirror that, 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 that you know... If you walk in with a cloud over you, it just sort of makes the whole room cloudy. Come on, somebody help me out. You know, I mean, maybe not you, but I mean, at least for me, I, I remember years ago, I, 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 you know, we were going through a lot of pressure and stuff, and, and, and Raylene was home with the boys, and, and, and I, I was in the office, and I finally left the office, and I went home, and I just 
kind of went home with the cloud over me and, and um, you know, it's just, you know, you just sort of walk in the room, you know, griping for no reason and, and this or that. And finally, I, I looked over Rayleigh and I said, well, how's your, how was your day? And she looked at me and said, well, it was really good until you got here. I mean, you know, everything, everything's going great, you know, uh, until, uh, until that attitude entered, entered the room. You know, I, <laughs> one time she looked at me and said, I think you need to go back to the church and pray a little more. And the reality of that is, is that, is that we can have a, a, a bad attitude, but that, and it affects the environment, or we can have a good attitude, and that affects the environment. I mean, there are kind of three attitudes that we're talking about here. I, I, you know, you could talk all day probably about bad attitude, but that would just give us all a bad attitude. So um, you, can, you can talk about having a good attitude, which is, which is I mean, that's a, great, that's a great thing to have. But, but what I'd really uh, like to talk about today is a God attitude. Matter of fact, I'd like to say it like this, that a, a God attitude is a good attitude ramped up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like a good attitude on steroids. Because I've observed that, 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 that whatever state of mind we allow ourselves to be in, whatever, whatever state of mind we are presently living, it affects everything around us and everyone around us. See, if you're, if you're living with, with a bad attitude, you're, you're not really flying well. If you're living with a bad attitude, have you, have you ever been around someone that just couldn't see anything positive no matter, no matter how much you tried to talk to them about, you need to see something positive here. But their, but their attitude just was so focused on negative. They had a way of, of pulling everything with them downward. They, they were flying with their nose down and it just seemed like everything in their life was was on this downward spiral. And if all you see is bad in your life, then that's all you'll really get is the bad that you're focusing on. You won't believe for, for better. And today, today I want to help us believe for better. You won't, you won't reach for, for something higher, uh, a higher way of living. You, you simply kind of get stuck in what my mom used to call the mully grubs. But then when you realize that no matter what the circumstance, we serve a good God that is a blessing God. It's in those moments that our attitude can correct and we can begin to fly again with the right perspective. I believe that this is extremely important since God wants our lives to be full of His blessing. Look at John 10.10. In the NIV it says this, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Wow. The New Living Translation puts it like this. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I think a lot of times we miss this reality that Jesus Christ wants our lives to be full of his blessing. Matter of fact, the Greek word, parasos, the Greek word for, for, for rich and satisfying or for having it to the full, it, it, literally, it literally means super abundant in quantity or superior in quality. 
That because we serve Him, that because we have God in our life, that, that, that something about our life is different from those who do not know the Lord. That something in our life is better. Matter of fact, if you start looking at all of the English words that can come out of this Greek word, um, it can be excessive. It can be exceeding abundantly above, more abundantly, advantage, exceedingly, very high, beyond measure, more. That God is calling us into a life of more. That God is calling us into a life of abundant. That, that our joy would be full. That our peace would be abundant. That our hope would be exceeding. This is the kind of life that Jesus Christ came into this world to give us. This superabundant and superior in quality. And that right there is a reason for a God attitude in our life. That right there is a reason for us to step back and go, man, I've got God in my life. And with God in my life, everything is going to be okay. That no matter what, I'm going to be blessed if I continue to trust him. That no matter what, even if I don't understand everything that's going on, if I continue to trust him, everything is going to be okay. See, this doesn't mean that life for us will be trouble-free. Matter of fact, Jesus even said this in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But then he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. The thing that's giving you trouble, I've already defeated. So, I mean, I don't think any of us are asking for trouble. We don't want trouble, but we have to recognize that we live in a broken creation and all of us have areas of brokenness in our life. And because of that, Jesus Christ has come to give us this tremendous problem that no matter what trouble you face, you don't need to let that trouble skew your attitude. And so, and so we, we don't want a bad attitude and we want even more than a good attitude. We want a God attitude. We want to bring this idea that God's got this into our lives and into our world and, and even into our trouble. See, I mean, you are a child of God. And I think you need to realize that no matter what you face, you're going to come out of trouble. There, there, there's a reality in our lives that we can, we can have trouble, but we don't need trouble to have us. That somehow or another, we don't want to fall into this trap that so many people do. You know, the 23rd Psalm says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say I build a house there. It doesn't say rent a condo in the valley. It says you're, you're walking through it. You're not staying in it. You're coming out of it. Because you serve a God that's a good God. He's a powerful God. He holds all power in His hands. So it begs us to ask the question then, what does a God attitude look like? Well, one plus one in our summer school session today is that a God attitude looks like thankfulness. It looks like thankfulness. Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 says this, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Did you catch that? 
always giving thanks for everything. And then, it, and then it says to do this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that there's, there's this reality that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be thankful for the trouble, but I'm going to be thankful that I have God in the midst of the trouble. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying that, well, thank the Lord I'm going through this. No, what we're saying is thank the Lord I'm not going through this alone. Or what about this? What about this? You know, I think all of us have had the opportunity to suffer various losses in life. But you know what? I, I've, never, I've never gone through a loss when I wasn't also surrounded by gains. I mean, I look at my life and I, can, I, I say, you know what? This may not be so great right here, but look at, look at what God's doing right here. You know, I may not have everything I, I need right here, but, but look at what I do have right here. And this is the kind of thanksgiving that, that helps us to sing songs in our heart and make melody in our heart. It, it, it lifts our spirit. It keeps our attitude right so that we can come out of this, so that we can come out of this valley, so that we can come out of this trouble. It, it, it helps us to keep flying right by simply being thankful. You know, I've seen people... That, that, you know, they would let greed or let jealousy or let want get so hard in their heart, so, so much of a grip in their heart, that, that you would think that they didn't have anything. You know, I've, I've had to talk with people I've, and encourage them and say, you know what, well, no, wait a minute, you, but what about, what about this? Oh, well, yeah, okay, that's good. Well, what about this? Well, yeah, that's good too. I mean, wouldn't it be better to just, instead of bemoaning the fact that you don't have this, to just start being thankful for these things that you do have? That, that, that not everything in your life is bad? That not everything in your life is lost? And it's amazing how that can turn people. That they, they start getting a better attitude. That, that they're... That they're, they're nose of the plane starts coming up and they suddenly realize, wow, I am blessed. I do have have some good things going on in my life. When I think about about these trips, you know, we take to third world countries and, and, and boy, you get to a third world country and see just how, you know, people that really don't have much, but they're just happy to to have what they have. Some Some of the happiest people on the face of the planet have very little. I mean, we, we go, of course, I've, you know, I've been to Africa, I've been to the Philippines, and, and, and it's, it's amazing how, I mean, this is really always just kind of shocking to me that, that, that how happy so many of the children are, and they, they don't have, they don't have. I mean, literally, they, they, like, like just give them a stick and a tin can from a dumpster, and they'll figure out a way to play a game, and they'll just laugh. They'll just laugh. Sometimes living in America, we, we don't feel that so much. We don't feel that so much because we, we want and we want and we want, and I think sometimes it's good just to slow everything down and say, man, I'm just thankful. You know, we used to... We used to sing a, a, a song years ago that said, I just want to tell you I'm thankful for all that you have done. For the stars and the moonlight and the setting sun. When my work on earth is through, I'm coming home to be with you. I just want to tell you I'm thankful. 
That's all. I'm just thankful. When we have a God attitude, a God attitude looks like thankfulness. Another, another, another thing, a two plus two here, is that a God attitude looks like hope. God attitude looks like hope. You know, I, I love Ephesians chapter 1 where it says, I pray also. And Paul's praying for the Ephesian church and he's telling them, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Today, today, we can have hope. Even, even if we're, we're flying through some troubled airspace, we, we can have hope today. A God attitude says, I never, I, I never lose hope. Why? Because my hope is not based on the circumstance. My hope is based on the God of that circumstance. I mean, when I, when I think about this and just, just, you know, if you could just capture this thought for a moment. I, you know, I think about that, that, that the word of the Lord repeatedly declares to us in more ways than one. It repeatedly declares to us that when God thinks about us, he's, he's thinking good thoughts. I mean, there's, there's people probably saying right now, no, <laughs> when God thinks good thoughts about me, absolutely he does. You want to know why? Because the Bible declares that through the blood of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is upon us. Literally meaning that that when God looks at us, he looks at us through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ. He He doesn't look at us through the lens of our own works or our own abilities or inabilities. He looks at us through the lens of the blood and the blood of Jesus Christ declares us righteous in the eyes of God. So, God's thoughts toward you today are thoughts of blessing, are thoughts of hope. Matter of fact, matter of fact that, that's that great declaration in Jeremiah 29 where he says that, that I know the plans I have for you. And, and a part of those plans is to give you a hope. A part of those plans is to give you hope in your life. That, that you know what, here I am, here I am, but my, but my hope rests in him. My hope rests in Him. I think a lot of times if we'll just recognize this simple thing that God is thinking good thoughts toward us. Because we know He has the power and we can stand firm in our hope. Three plus three today is that a God attitude looks like faith. God attitude looks like faith. I love Hebrews 11. One says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So here we stand in hope, but this hope becomes faith. That I believe with all of my heart that God's got this. With all my heart that God's got this. Several years ago, my mother-in-law called us in the day, and she was like, you know, I was just in prayer, and I just felt like I needed to call and, 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 and tell Rob that, that, that it seemed like he's going to face a circumstance in the next few hours or so. And, and 
maybe he should just take a little bit of time and pray and just ask the Lord to give him strength. And so I did that. I, I actually, I, I, you know, I left where we were staying and I went to the church and I began to pray. And, you know, I, I was praying. And as I was praying, I, I just sensed this, had this picture in, 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 my, in my mind. This picture came to me of me like in a house, but the, but the roof of the house was, was caving in. And so I'm praying diligently. I'm saying, God, you know, save the house. God, don't let that roof fall in, whatever this circumstance is. You know, I got to win this circumstance. Whatever it is, whatever's happening, you know, don't let that roof cave in. And while I was praying that, I got this other picture. And it's hard to explain, but, it, but it's like God ran into that place with a, with a board. And he ran in and he propped the ceiling up for a moment. And he told me, now you get out. And as I was exiting that place, this whole thing caved down. And within 10 minutes, a phone rang. And it was a phone call that rocked my world. I mean, all of these plans that I had for myself and the ministry and all these things that were just going to be so awesome and all of these relationships that were going to help me get there in that one phone call, the house fell down. And, you know, I, I stand back and just amazed at the fact that, that number one, my mother-in-law was sensitive enough to, to, to give me a warning. And I asked God. I prayed about it again. I was like, wow, man, I hung up that phone, and I'm thinking, wow, man, that's devastating. That's devastating. And, and, and I'll never forget the... Praying, you know, is there any way this can fix? And, and it's like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, no. It's not going to fix. The house is caving in. But then the promise, the promise from God in that moment was, but I'm not going to let it crush you. I'm not going to let it crush you. And you know what? It didn't crush us. Matter of fact, over the next few weeks, New opportunities opened that were completely different from what I thought was going to happen. New opportunities opened and we walked into a God-breathed destiny in our ministry and in our lives. That was far better. That was far better than, than what I thought was going to happen with these relationships over here. And God blessed us and has continued to bless us in, in that path, in that direction. But it took faith. It took hope. It took thankfulness. I thought to myself this morning as I was receiving several Happy Father's Day texts. A text came through and I picked up the phone and I looked at it. And it was a text from one of the ministers that was in that original group. And over the last 10 years or so, that relationship between he and I has been completely restored. We went several years without speaking. We went several years with no contact. This morning he texted me, Happy Father's Day, and wanted me to know how thankful he was that, we were, that, he, that I was in his life. And I had to text him back and say, Man, I'm thankful you're in my life too. And, you know, I'm just trying to tell somebody today 
that if you allow your attitude to go bad, these good things that God wants to do, these good thoughts God has toward you, these good plans that God has, you, you, you're not, not going to see, you're going to fly away from them. But if today you will have hope, and if you'll have thanksgiving in your heart, and if you'll have faith that God is able to take care of it. Let me tell you another story about our pilot friend, Brendan. He came in one Sunday, and he said, Man, did I ever have an experience this week? I said, What was that? He said, You know that, that tropical storm that blew into Florida? I said, Yeah. He said, Man, we were supposed to land in the, in, 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 at the airport that was highly affected by that, by that storm. And he said, The winds were blowing across the runways, and they weren't landing any airplanes. And he said they were trying to figure out what to do with all of the traffic coming in, and so they were diverting people here and there, and they were, you know, diverting them back. And he said as 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 we were circling, this storm just kept getting bigger and bigger. And and he's like, he's like, you know, I started telling them, look, you guys got to figure out where you're going to put us, because because we're we don't have fuel, we don't have enough fuel to keep this going. And and they were just trying to figure out, you know, plane here, plane there. And finally, they radio, they they talked to him, and they said, you know, how much fuel do you have? And he told them, they said, well, you really don't have fuel to get to any of the available places, so we're going to have to land you here. He's like, we were the only airplane that they were landing at that airport. And he's like, we got on the on the speakers to the pastors, and we said, look, ladies and gentlemen, we've been circling the airport for a while. There's a tremendous tropical storm taking place below us, and the winds are blowing against the run, across the runway. And so we have confidence that we're going to land this airplane, but, but because of the protocol, we're going to have to ask you to assume crash positions and, and, and make sure you secure everything around you, make sure you secure your children and you know, put, put your heads down. We're going to assume crash positions, and here we go. So he said, we were coming down into that storm, and he said, the wind was blowing so strong across the runways that the only way we could keep that, that plane in line with the runway was to hard rudder it. He said, I was literally standing on the rudder, out of my seat, standing on the rudder, and we were holding that plane. If you could think of that this right here is, is the runway. He said, we were literally bringing that airplane in sideways to the runway, still flying. He's like, man, we just rudder, 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 and... He said, finally, on the speaker saying, everybody put your heads down. Don't look out the windows. Everybody put your heads down to assume crash positions. And, and, and he said, man, it was really tense. He said, it was really tense. And he said, man, we kept flying that plane. And we flew it in there sideways, sideways, sideways. And he said, we got about 20, 25 feet above the runway when we turned that airplane in like that. And we just landed her just like she was supposed to land. I said, man, Brendan, that's a crazy story. Were you scared? He said, no, man. He said, that was fun. I went, you have lost your mind. He said, no, really I haven't because we, we never lost confidence. Now, this is something you may not know. Brendan flies for Southwest Airlines because Southwest Airlines is like the only air carrier that actually requires the pilots to fly the airplane at least 40% of the time. Many of the other carriers, when they take off that runway, about 15, 20 seconds off the runway, they turn autopilot on and let the computers fly that airplane. And, and, the, and the computers will fly that airplane the entire flight until they're about 40 seconds to land. 
in about 40 seconds to land, they'll turn autopilot off and they'll, and they'll grab the, the wheels and start flying that airplane again. And he said, I, I didn't want to be a passenger on an airplane in the cockpit. And so I chose to, to apply. He said, I could have flown for American. I could have flown for, for Delta. But he said, I wanted to fly for Southwest because they make the pilots fly the airplane. He said, matter of fact, we generally fly about 60 to 70% of the flight because we want to we keep our skills He said, and because we fly these airplanes so much, we know what these airplanes can do. He said, we know what they can do. And he said, when when, when we're doing that, he said, we never in the cockpit even broke a sweat because we had total faith in what that airplane could do. We knew that airplane was going to land safe. And it did land safe. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's what I've really come to talk to somebody about today is that if you're ever flying in rough weather you got to have confidence. And our confidence is not in a machine. Our confidence is in God. Our confidence is in the God that, that understands and knows everything about any circumstance that, that we face. And if we'll, just, if we'll just trust Him, we'll just trust Him. Keep our attitude right. Come on, somebody. Now, I was thinking about that, that attitude indicator on that airplane. Ah, would you stand with me today? I want us to, I want us to pray. I, I, I know that I've, I've spoken very directly, and, and maybe in your life, it's, it's, it's kind of brought the reality of your moment. And maybe it's a storm. Maybe it's a circumstance you don't understand. And, and, and I, want the, I want you to just recognize the blessing of the Lord, that, that if we could just keep a God attitude, if we just keep a God attitude, praise God. Would you bow your heads with me for a second? Let me pray for you. Father, I just agree together with this with this wonderful group of people today, that your blessing is rich, that it rests in our life, that it rests on our heart. And I'm just praying right now in Jesus' name (laughs) that you would bless us with a revelation of your hope, that you would bless us with a revelation of your goodness. I pray that you would give us strength, the kind of strength that can only come from you. I pray in Jesus' name that you would do these things. Hmm. As you keep your heads bowed, I wonder if there's somebody in this room says, you know what, Pastor, I need a fresh start, and I'd like for you to pray. I'd like the congregation to pray with me that, 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 that you know, the Lord will just give me a fresh start in the blessing of the Lord. Would you just slip a hand up? I'm not going to call you forward to call you out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, church. Let's all pray together as to not embarrass anyone. You can put your hands down. Let's let's pray together as to not embarrass anyone. Say, Father, I thank you for this opportunity that I have for a fresh start. I believe that God raised Christ from the dead. And I declare with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I thank you for giving me a fresh start today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen to that. That means it is so. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, there is a check place on that connect card for you to check and say, I prayed that for the first time. We'd like to get in contact with you. We're going to end our service today with an act of grace. And I'm going to ask you for a double act of grace today. Amen. Tomorrow.